Hello, and welcome to Minnesota Soil Health Coalition's podcast. This is Kelly, the Coalition Assistant. Here, we'll discuss the principles of soil health and chat with those who advocate for it in Minnesota. Soils, much like other natural resources, have the ability to impact many different areas in our lives. Aside from the obvious environmental and agricultural impacts, soils can also have impacts on our economic systems as well as our health and nutrition. One farmer who knows this, perhaps more than most, is Mary Jo Forbird. Mary Jo, along with her husband Laverne, owns and farms Prairie Horizon Farm in Benson, Minnesota. Aside from farming, Mary Jo is a former executive director for the Sustainable Farming Association, or SFA, and is a registered dietitian with experience in community and food systems dietetics. I had the opportunity to talk with Mary Jo about her farm and the impacts of soil health. Her farm covers about 480 acres on the west side of Minnesota. Its entrance, lush with prairie grasses, is distinguished by magnificent metal sunrays, flanked by the words, Prairie Horizons. As Mary Jo explains, this is not only the front gate, but an emblem for the farm. So the front of your farm is just breathtaking. That, how did you, that sculpture gate that you have, what is, yes. can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, um, my husband and I have been farming together here for 40 years. This is where he grew up and my family farm was 20 miles to the south. So we're, we're local back to five generations, uh, both of us. And so when we sold the dairy cattle in right around the turn of the century, which sounds ancient now, but it was right around uh, the year 2000, uh, we renamed the farm from Hilltop Holsteins to Prairie Horizons. And during that time, uh, our, our son was very uh, a- active in the shop class in the local high school and, uh, you know, wrote, uh, did the Prairie Horizons, the, the cut the letters and assembled it and um, helped my husband put it up together. Uh, at the end of the driveway. And then uh, when he sadly passed away at age 22, our younger son uh, picked up the metal trade and um, made the sunbursts and the sun rays. So it's, it's even more special than it is beautiful. It's not done yet, you know, just like life. It's never, never really done. The beat goes on. And, and so there are, there are, you know, embellishments that we want to put on. One is, is uh, I think it's called kinetic sculpture, um, mm. metal prairie grasses that would wave with the wind. Oh, wow. Yeah, because the prairie grass has really been our imp- inspiration to change our farm in the way that we do have and the way that we are also proceeding to in the future. Those remnant acres of native prairie are really what inspired us because um, well, growing up where I, I did, uh, there was no prairie left, and my perception of prairie was it was flat, it was boring, it was one grass, and why wouldn't you plow it up? Yeah. And never, never ever considered that a prairie could be on a hill. It was just not part of my education or awareness. Uh, and as crops continued um, to specialize and you know, alfalfa went out of the rotation, any perennials, not, not here because, you know, of dairy. 
we could see the sloughing of the soil. I mean, literally stand on the fence line and see a field that maybe had been in alfalfa for many years and then, you know, row crop, the, the sloughing of the soil and, and realizing that these plants um, had value. They weren't weeds. They actually had a really deep and storied history and their association with animals over thousands of years uh, was really well documented. And so it was really through learning about the prairie and, you know, <laughs> encountering these plants um, up close and personal and saying, well, that's too beautiful to be a weed. I wonder what that is. Mm -hmm. And that's how we learned about the prairie, started managing it uh, differently. And then that became the inspiration for, for what we wanted to do um, with our row crops. Mary Jo grew up on a farm only about 20 miles from Prairie Horizons. This might not seem very far, but when you look at the landscapes, it's like a whole different place. The topography, even though it was 20 miles away from here, was very different. Um, Swift County is very flat and, and black, and we've, we farmed uh, an area near the, the Shakopee Creek, and our farm there transitioned much more readily into specialized uh, agriculture where uh, livestock stopped being a part of the picture. Uh, but 20 miles north, where we are right now, where my husband grew up, this is the glacial moraine. There's been two glacier passes here, leaving some quite uh, high and steep hills. Uh, and I remember uh, as a child driving this way and my dad, the, the far proverbial farmer saying, yep, they're dry, drying up in the hills again. Uh, and it was corn that was growing in the hills. And with the dairy, we certainly could underlie uh, our soils with lots of fertility and were able to get really good crops, uh, you know, plus 200 bushel an acre, acre corn. You know, we're not farming this way because we can't farm any other way, uh, I think we increasingly saw that our land needed something different um, and, and deserved something different. As Mary Jo recognized that the land deserved something different, it became more apparent that this meant farming in a more sustainable way. To move toward this direction, Prairie Horizons decided to become certified organic in 2006. Although this can seem like a terrifying transition, Mary Jo states that her own interest in soils and nutrition, along with an emerging market, motivated her to power through. The attributes of grass-based agriculture, as far as the nutritional side, as far as how the meat uh, contains different nutrients and minerals based on how that animal was grazed or what that animal ate, that was really becoming very um, intriguing to me. I think there were enough people to establish that new market because one of the scariest things about our transition was that the milk truck didn't drive up every other day and the milk check didn't come every two weeks. But we were milking below the cost of production and there was really no um, kind of a, ability to add attributes at that time. There weren't markets for you know, there was no organic truck or grass-based truck or anything like that. Your milk was treated as a commodity. Um, and that was way, way too much work for us to continue uh, at, at a cost that was below the production. 
And then that milk, 86% water was, was traveling down to Florida. So there was a lot of transportation of our, our product. And that's probably about the time when we decided to make um, the switch. And it was very, very scary. Uh, and it was through my experience with SFA where I learned that farmers do all kinds of things that are called out of the box uh, mm -hmm. all the time. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> and, and so got a good um, sampling of, you know, how farmers did it. Uh, you know, our, our, our Laverne's whole um, upbringing was in, in cattle and dairy. You could tell me a hundred different things about an animal just walking up to her. Uh, you know, his powers of observation and skills in those area areas were, were superb and he liked it. So we, we took a step back from Holsteins and kind of opened up to the world of cattle and, and really consciously selected which of these breeds does the best on grass. And, and genetics are um, extremely important. And so we started to, to demonstrate in front of our own eyes uh, the relationship of big herbivores, large herbivores on the land and what happens when you move them and allow sections of your farm to rest. Mm. And so we, we went by a lot of observation and, and still do. Um, moving the cattle every day, uh, we see you know, soil building, we see uh, biodiversity, we see a lot of, um, lot of life and that's very rewarding to us. Is that one of like the indicators that you would say that you know you've, you've seen since you've become certified in, in 2020? That's the egg water quality certification. Um, and changed to organic in 2006. Would that be one of the biggest indicators you'd say you noticed since changing to conservation practices is just the increase in, in wildlife that you're seeing? Absolutely. And also, you know, wildlife, I'd put in that category uh, beneficial insects, which we so much depend upon. You know, having been, you know, not born organic, or maybe, maybe yes, we were born organic, but our parents went into this, you know, uh, conventional phase of agriculture, and that's what we grew up on. And uh, so to make that change, we spent a lot, a lot of time asking other farmers, well, what do you do when the animals get sick? Or what do you do when you get weeds? And thinking that there was a product, um, mm -hmm. but it turned out it was more of a practice of mm -hmm. allowing like a Jurassic Park of insects <laughs> to flourish and thrive and witness the eating of each other in that kingdom, you know, and then beginning to imagine what goes on underneath the soil because the uptake there into the roots is very similar to the human gut. And so there's a lot of, you know, minerals and this, this area of Minnesota has some of the youngest soils on earth, probably most heavily mineralized. You know, there's things about these soils that's, that are extremely beneficial if we're matching like the soils and the topography to the crops that we're growing and perennials, you know, think of that root structure underneath the, the mm -hmm. prairie uh, grasses. Well, when you've got the habitat, then these, these life forms come. And so the grassland birds, which are the most endangered, uh, the bobolinks and the dick sissels and, you know, the meadowlarks, both eastern and western, uh, they, they, they wake us up in the morning and, you know, just, and with them comes 
untold amounts of diversity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we can get away from the idea that certain things are, uh, you know, the pests or the culprits, you know, maybe there's something in nature that will uh, take care of that. You know, that's, that's been our experience anyway, is, is kind of putting more powers into observation and, and management and see uh, what can work just the way that it always has been and not get in the way. So it, it's been a process of discovery and, and continues to be so. This increase in natural activity that occurs is, in my opinion, one of the most exciting impacts of building soil health. It reminds us that we're part of a larger system. At Prairie Horizons, one very important and fluffy piece of the ecosystem is Roja, the farm dog. How's Roja? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) You know, she's been having a lot of fun on the farm. and. When, when she does get out of her kennel uh, from the night, she doesn't spend the night in the house. She is so overjoyed. And it's not just that she's having human contact. I, I think she's thinking about all the fun she's going to have because she has so many different hunting routes and where one time she caught a bunny or maybe she's chased a squirrel or because she's always jumping and barking at like mm-hmm. hawks and raptors of all kinds. And then you know, they seem to look down with curiosity, like, what is that crazy dog trying to do? (laughs) That's amazing. Pretty funny. (laughs) In addition to maintaining and contributing to the biodiversity on land, Mary Jo is very aware of her responsibility as a farmer to protect those systems both underwater and downstream. Prairie Horizons recently became Ag Water Quality Certified in June of this year, further illustrating her awareness of the connections between her farm and our water supply. We have nine bodies of water um, on our farm or bordering wow. our farm, and we water is very important. It's it's of course, the most essential nutrient. And whatever we're doing on the land here, um, that's what's in the taps in Minneapolis and further on down. So we, we want to do um, the best thing possible because we're all connected through that water. We're right in the middle of the Chippewa River watershed here, uh, the largest tributary to the Minnesota, which goes directly to the Mississippi and and we all know that Minnesota is all about water and it's not something that's readily repaired if it's damaged and the reports say it's damaged Mm -hmm. and so we need to do everything we can to undo that damage and not certainly not damage it further. In preparing for becoming egg water quality certified Mary Jo spent time looking at what other farmers were doing learning from their successes and failures. And this farmer-to-farmer sharing of knowledge is one of the main values of the Minnesota Soil Health Coalition. It's critical for the adoption of sustainable farming in Minnesota. As Mary Jo indicates, having access to this network of farmers can really help in supporting a transition to more sustainable methods. Have other farmers been asking for your guidance as you had asked other farmers for guidance when you were thinking about changing? And and what are some maybe some pointers you can give to these farmers that may be listening that are thinking about making the leap of, of seeking out that uh, certification. 
Yeah, and it, it does seem like it does seem like a leap, and it's more of um, a marathon. And and so water quality certification. You know, I think most farmers have never never left it and left the principles. You know, in their own hearts and minds, they know that you know black soil laying on white snow in ditches or blowing in the wind is not a recipe for a, a future. Um, so that they're holding their soils, um, you know, they're figuring out, maybe starting with cover crops. You know, we here think that we arrived at the, the perfect cover crop, which is tall grass prairie, uh, but that's our soils and everyone has to, you know, have their own approach. But I think we need to open it up for discussion. I think that maybe sometimes farmers have, for one reason or another, felt that they were against each other or different practices were, you know, uh, just not in the cards for them. But, you know, maybe the open mind, I guess for us, that was, that was the hardest part is our, our ideas of the way things had to be and all of the environment around us telling it had to be that way and, and doing something different anyway. Um, and maybe it's just starting small. Maybe it's uh, allowing that next generation to, to try out some cra crazy ideas on a, a couple acres. Uh, people are hungry for good food that they know where it came from. And, People, I think, are uh, intelligent enough that they know that Minnesota needs to keep its farmers here and strong, uh, but we also need to be eating what we produce in our region, in our state. I, I think there's a rethinking of food supply chains and, and how we can feed our communities well. At least I hope so. As Mary Jo highlights, having those relationships between farmer and customer will ultimately create pathways to a more sustainable food system. We would not be here were it not for customers who also ascribe to what we're doing. Our customers do distinguish that and that for that we're, we're not only grateful, we're, we're here. And, and that's what it takes if we're going to you know, produce a product that's not a commodity. We have to have a, a market and people who see that there are assets attached to the productive systems that, that we are managing. If you'd like to find out more about Prairie Horizons Farm, their mission, and the products they offer, you can go to their website at prairiehorizonsfarm.com. Thanks to Mary Jo Forbert for joining me today, and thanks to you for listening to the Minnesota Soil Health Coalition podcast. Happy farming!